Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. This is our second show. Are you guys ready? Sure. You all ready? All right, so I'm here with, obviously, my co-host, Coop. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, man? I'm doing good, and we're here with Wes. How you doing, Wes? Good, how about you? Good, good, man. So we're going to jump right into it. Obviously, we had the Super Bowl going this past weekend, and we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about the Chiefs and the downfall of the Chiefs. So, Coop, I want to go over to you first. Just talk about what kind of went wrong for that Chiefs team. Yeah, I honestly think, uh, like a lot of other teams this year, they really underestimated the pass rush of that uh, Bucks defense. But not having their O-line, it just felt like they were naked out there. Like, I think it said somewhere that that's the most yards scrambled from a quarterback in Super Bowl history. Like, he was, he was running for his life out there. And... It, it showed, and it was almost like a repeat of the NFC Championship game where Rodgers just, they didn't have a time to let plays develop. And even when he tried to get it out, it was into either double coverage or it was way off. So not having that O-line really kind of showed itself in uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had some key injuries when going into the game. They had, even Patrick Mahomes was a little banged up from the game before. Yeah. And it just kind of showed that Maybe they were too hurt to kind of like see through this kind of game. But going on to U.S., what do you kind of think about the outcome of this game? I think it's pretty much the same. A lot of teams underestimated the pass rush or the entire defense of the um, Buccaneers. They even questioned their um, DBs, felt like their DBs wasn't up to par with Travis Kelsey or um, Tyree Kill to go to go along with Patrick Mahomes. But when you're missing three starting no linemen, everybody knew it was going to be tough. But even with the O-lineman now, when Claude Edwards-Hilaire got the ball, whenever he was running the ball, he was averaging almost five to seven yards per carry. And we all know Andy Reid is the big play type of guy, but he I feel like he should have ran the ball more because it was working, and it could have led to some play-action plays that could help. Um, even with Patrick Mahomes scrambling and getting out to open space and trying to get the ball somewhere, receivers weren't catching the ball. It was just way off. He didn't have time. It was pretty much, he says, he, sometimes even before the ball gets his hands, he has to roll out and try to find some open space. And it was just a disaster for the offense. Yeah, like you said, like, they were getting like five to seven yards of carry. And they were just throwing long balls, trying to get out of a scramble. Like, it just wasn't working. Like, you'd think that you'd want to change that a little bit. Like, going into the second half, but they kind of did the same thing the whole second half. And I was just kind of confused about that. I honestly think that uh, that previous game in week 12 when they went up against the Bucks and Tyreek Hill got like 200 yards in the first quarter, I honestly think they kind of underestimated them because it wasn't until really like week 14 that the Bucks kind of like finally it all clicked for them and they kind of knew what they had to do. Like the pass rush, it's unbelievable with uh, White and Shaq Barrett. They're just amazing. But what also killed that, like, their whole game was the Chiefs' defense. Like, it just felt like every play they were getting a penalty. Like, I, I didn't see one play where I didn't see a flag on the field. Like, it was it was honestly incredible. And I was loosely kind of rooting for the Chiefs, and I just didn't understand why. Like, no one could just, like, do a clean cover of someone. And I think that was kind of, like, half of the reason that they didn't – they didn't get anywhere and they never really got any stops. Yeah, and I just want to note that, yes, I did cheer for – I wanted the Chiefs to win. I had the Chiefs going. But 
they they just couldn't get anything started. Right when you thought something was going to get started for that team, they just couldn't get anything going. So I'm going to go on to you, Wes. What could have the Chiefs done to win this game? You kind of touched up a little bit on it. So if you want to go into more detail about it. Yeah, offensive-wise, I feel like you you got to feed Clyde, man. Clyde was a rookie that came in before his, I think it was a quad injury towards the midseason where he was leading rookies in yards per carry and almost leading the whole league in yards per carry. You got to feed that guy. He was averaging five to seven yards. You got to give it to him. Because, I mean, that team, they even said it after the game, that team was expecting the big plays. You saw how deep the safeties were playing back. You you hardly saw them trying to press uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. The defense did what they had to do, and when they ran the ball, they weren't expecting it. You got to do things like that that they're not expecting. Defense, you have to play cleaner football. We all know the chief defense was going to be the thing that, that was going to have to play good or play well to win the Super Bowl. And we saw that last year against the 49ers where they stepped up towards the end. They got the stops they needed to get. But when you try to play that same type of football you've been playing all year, especially when they did it against the Raiders, they couldn't get stops. They couldn't stop them on third down. Third down was a big thing. They forced the third down, but they get them. They let up, they let up the first. And um, you're not going against Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. You're going against the GOAT, Tom Brady. He's going to make you pay for it. Yeah, exactly. I think they kind of underestimated the Bucks. Like Cooper was kind of saying, they kind of underestimated the whole like Super Bowl experience. I mean, there was a lot going into the Super Bowl on Patrick Mahomes' shoulders. I mean, this is the second time trying to win a Super Bowl and couldn't get it done. I mean, you go against a guy like Tom Brady, it's always going to be trouble. But, Coop, what do you think the uh, Chiefs could have done differently? Um, kind of going with what Wes said, like they just need to like feed Clyde the ball because they didn't do that at all in uh, the previous time they went up against the Bucks. And what they try to do is they try to do exactly what they did in uh, week 12. They try to just just bomb the uh, ball downfield to the hill, but they weren't going to let that happen again. And we'll talk about it a little bit in the next segment, but the Bucks changed it a little bit because once once Gronk came into the Bucks, he goes, hey, I'm going to be a blocking tight end. And what did he do in the Super Bowl? He scored two touchdowns. He was like old prime Gronk, but they weren't expecting it. And I think that's what the Chiefs kind of did wrong was they have all these moves they can do. Like it, it during the regular season, it felt like they were just so unpredictable, yet they did exactly what they did like in the Bucks with week 12, and they knew what was coming. And they knew like – and they knew like their O line was going to be out, so they just needed to pressure them more. And honestly, in their practice before Super Bowl, I think you should have just given Patrick Mahomes no O line and just had him like rush every single time because that's what he did. There was never a time where he stood in the pocket. He was always throwing from left side, right side. He was scrambling, going. He was trying to run back and do that thing where he runs down like 15 yards and bombs it like 70. And that wasn't going to work because they know their game plan and they kind of had their number that whole entire game. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate to see. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is so young still, and he's already this good. I kind of want to talk about what is next for the Chiefs. Like, what, what do you think they need to add, discard? What do you think to add? Honestly, like, in, it's kind of funny because I was trying to think of, like, all right, let's think. I was trying to think of how are they going to do better and the Chiefs, they, they, I think it was just poor planning on their part. Like, yeah, their O-line was out, but they could have done things so much differently in that game. And it showed. Like, it, they just need to work on 
hey, we need to rotate these plays out. We need to see like what works with teams. And I, I, uh, I'm trying to remember the game, but there was one game with Chiefs where if uh, Clyde got like 100, 150 yards like rushing, and they just kept feeding him it, and the other team didn't expect it. When you have Patrick Mahomes and Hill and Travis Kelsey, you expect him to throw it. So you need a plan against these teams where you don't want to develop like, hey, yeah, in the Super Bowl, the one play where he uh, gets it like 40, 50 yards downfield a hill, teams are now going to look for that. They know that Patrick Mahomes has an arm and they know that Hill has the speed. So you need to change it up on him. So honestly, I think it's more like ro rotating those plays and not being that same Chiefs that show themselves in the Super Bowl 54. Yeah. What about you, Wes? What do you think? Um, I think over the offseason, you got to make moves that helps you. Um, I think offensive-wise, they're all right. I mean, yeah. you have one of the best play callers. To just see, I feel like it's just one of those games where it's just you just it's not your time. Andy Reid is one of the best play callers in the game right now. We know that. It's just, that just wasn't his game. But defensive-wise, I think you have to go out and get players. Like, you got Cardinals letting go of Patrick Peterson. Yeah, he's old, but you bring in a veteran that can shape up the, the younger guys for the future. You have somebody that knows football, he can make some moves. Or you can go out for another veteran in Richard Sherman to make some moves. Um, you got the draft coming up, and I say the only offensive player I'll take out of this draft since they're going to have like around the last pick is Kadarius Tony from the Florida Gators. If he's not on the board, then you have to take an O-lineman or you take a defensive player. Yeah, definitely. I think – yeah, I agree with you 100%. They need to get more veteran leadership. Maybe that will help them a little bit because as good as Patrick Mahomes is, he's still super young. He still has to learn the game a little bit. But he'll get better over time. I mean, we'll be having this conversation for a long time whether Patrick Mahomes can actually make a run and be a, like in that GOAT conversation. And we'll find out more about that as his career moves forward. But he still has like – I mean that contract, like, <laughs> and like, like you were saying, he's so young. He hasn't even gotten to ten. Like he's with the Super Bowl loss, that was like his ninth loss overall. And this guy is so young, and I feel like some people are just like, oh, like he's gonna put it in. Brady put it into them, like he did with like the Seahawks in 2014. And I honestly don't think that's the case. It was just again, it was I think it was poor pl uh, poor planning with them. They thought they could get away with being the Chiefs who are known for just making ridiculous plays. And you need to learn, like, hey, and, and look at the guy he was facing, Tom Brady, okay? He's obviously not the best quarterback right now, but he's, like, top five. And he can't bomb the ball like uh, Mahomes or even Josh Allen can, but he's got that football IQ that is next to none. Like, he, he's just incredible with it, and he's, he's never seen a defense he hasn't, like, seen before. Like, he knows what he's doing, and that's what they need to do. They need to show that, hey, Patrick, you can't just bomb it every single play. You need to, like, find these little keyholes. And he, and he was doing that well in the game, too. Like, he was scrambling, and then, like, that one play where he just went fully parallel to the ground <laughs> and threw it, and the receiver just did not get it at all, just doinked, doinked right off his face mask. <laughs> But he needs to do more stuff like that, but he also needs to know that he can't rely uh, solely on his run game. Yeah, definitely. And we'll probably see him back. I mean, he has oh, the team to get it back. So I'd expect him to have a lot more Super Bowl, maybe not wins, but like appearances in the future. But that's going to end this segment. We'll be right back 
after this break, and we're going to be talking about the Buck side of things now, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking about what the Chiefs kind of, what they did wrong in the Super Bowl and what they can improve on. In this segment, we're going to talk about what the Bucks did right. And I'm going to start with you, Casey. What do you, what do you think was some like the big plays or kind of big changes that they made to get this one over the Chiefs? I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, the cool thing was about Tom Brady and the whole like even the Bucks defense at that like, dude, they were firing on all cylinders. They're incredible. They were they were so good and they could have honestly their whole defensive line and like their whole defense could have been MVP and I would have been totally fine with it. They played so well. Props to them. Nobody had like you can't call ever call Tom Brady like no, oh, he's the underdog, but he was pretty much the underdog in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's Tom Brady at the end of the day. He's definitely an underdog just because it was Patrick Mahomes and the team he was going against, but he made like he made that team look so foolish. And oh so God. it's so sad. <laughs> and being the Chiefs, um, but yeah, there was the defense was a fire on all cylinders. They pressured Patrick Mahomes 30 times, which is a Super Bowl record. I mean, all these things and when you're just firing and you could just feel it, you know, like that whole team was just, we want this so much more than them. And if, they could, it was, it was proven. If you told me that stat where he was pressured 30 times for the Super Bowl, <laughs> I think you're crazy, man. But what about you, Wes? What do you think the Bucks did right? I think, of course, their defense, man. I have to piggyback off that. Their defense is, they should have won. If they could have the whole defense won MVP as a whole, you give it to them. But I understand it got to go to one person. You give it to Tom, of course. But besides their defense, the number two thing that made them get that game the way it was was the run game. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones ran the ball incredibly well against that Chiefs defense, and it opened it up to play action, short passes, play action to get it to Gronk in the end zone, play actions to get Antonio Brown open, Mike Evans. And the play action is what kills defenses these days because when you have a good run game, once you stick that ball out to fake it, they come up and then you just you basically run it right past them. I feel like the run game was a big help. And um, it wasn't just where he was running the ball and not getting good yards. He was running the ball, getting good yards, and scoring touchdowns. When you put that together and you're doing play action to score touchdowns, plus what your defense is doing, that's almost un- unstoppable right there. Yeah. And to go along with that, I saw, I didn't even realize it until I saw after the game. But every touchdown scored in that game with the Bucks, none of those players were on there last year. <laughs> Brady was signed in free agency. Gronk was signed with free agency. And Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette, he got released by the Jags. And all of them had a chip on their shoulder. Oh. Leonard Fournette, released by the Jags. Antonio Brown is crazy, crazy. <laughs> I don't even want to start <laughs> like, on Antonio Brown right now, dude. <laughs> and, then, and then you had Tom, who's leaving the pass. And they're like, hey, they're like, can, can he do it with another team? I don't know. Gronk, I don't know. He just came out of retirement from wrestling and all this other stuff. But still, he he wanted to still play with Tom, and he really showed that in the game with two touchdowns. Like, I don't think anyone was really expecting that. Yeah, exactly. And it's these key pieces that we often forget that make a team come together. And that's like with any good team, we were just talking about this. It's like Michael Jordan and the Bulls, they obviously had Scottie Pippen. They had that guy in the center. I forgot his name. What's his name? Uh, Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> they, had, they had Dennis Rodman, a character, crazy man. They get it done. And, like, it's just these glue pieces that 
can come together and make a difference for your team. And people will want to come just because Tom Brady is a quarterback. And we're going to like hop onto that too. Is like, like this team was formulated basically in the off season, like with a bunch of different pickups. But I kind of want to piggyback on that is like, what happens to this team now? Like, do you think free agents are going to just come to them just because they have Tom Brady? Cause they know Tom Brady probably will come back knowing Tom Brady. Like- I, I honestly think so. Um, with like with that like like you're saying like people want to play for tom and he doesn't even need to ask and people like expect themselves to play at their highest level ever because you're playing with the goat like i might as well and you can call them ring chasers if you want yeah that's at the end of the day that's what every football player wants you want to not only go to the super bowl but they want to win the super bowl and why not go with the guy who's won seven now and with that i don't think that you're gonna I don't think people are going to stop wanting to play with him. It just came out that uh, Adrian Adrian Peterson says he wants to play with the Bucks now. It's like what <laughs> that'd what, be insane. <laughs> what's going to happen next? Like it's just it's incredible with uh, everyone who wants to play with him and the level of game that they play when they are with him. Yeah, and yeah, what do you think about that, Wes? Do you think people will come play for them? Honestly, think it depends about who resigns and who doesn't. Because I mean, they're they're a pretty stacked team. I think, as far as Adrian Peterson goes, I think that pretty much makes sense. Of course, he knows he's going to go to that team and not be the AP of the Vikings. He's not probably he's not going to start, but he's going to get the touches to help them keep winning. Wide receiver wise, I mean, Chris Godwin is a um, free agency this season. I think AB is too. Um, I play. I, I'm pretty sure they plan on the resign to try to go back and back, back to back. I think if people want to come play for the Bucks, I think it's it's mostly on the defensive side because I mean, as as good as their defense was, everybody knows their DBs are not that good. But they show they they can be that good, and I feel like they some DBs will come and start to tag along and help that team win for different formations or what have you. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we talk about this all the time, and it's like. People take pay cuts all the time. Like it happens. I want a ring. Tom did it for like twenty seasons in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And going off that, Tom Brady, what a man, a legend in the game. We know it. But how many years do you really think he has left in his career? Oh group? man, <laughs> with how he's playing and as much as they protect him, and I'm not joking here. If he plays till fifty, it does not surprise me. Like he may be the oldest player to ever play it, and if he keeps playing at this type of level, and you bring in people like again, like I said, with people coming in, they're like, "Hey, I need to play great because I'm playing with the great." Like, and that's that's someone you want on your team. You want a Tom Brady on your team because everyone's going to play at a higher level. So yeah, I I would not be surprised if that man starts growing ill. Old white beard and everything, he's still dropping dimes. Nah, he would be clean shaved. So we just, we know that. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> yeah. But what about us? How many years you got? People say people tell me every year. After every year, they say two to three years, and I'm like, you're crazy. If he's not getting touched, like did y'all see his jersey, like the thing was white as can be. They don't have turf. They have they have they have a grass field. So you're gonna tell if he got hit or he was on the ground. I think he only got sacked once. The ones, jersey yeah. was all white. Like he's not getting touched, and so so therefore he's not getting hurt. And then to be the goat, 
Bruce Arians said it himself. You need a day off. You need time off. Just let me know. He's going to take that time off if he needed. He, I feel like he has probably four to six years left. <laughs> and I feel like if he does retire, it's not because his body, it's not because he can't do it anymore. He's just ready to be done. I think he's going for 10. If he 10 gets Super to Bowls. 10, dude, imagine the scenes if he actually <laughs> gets to 10 Super Bowls. And I mean, what, he's already been to 10, but like if he wins 10. Oh, man. I can't watch it anymore then. That's <laughs> like, it's, it's too much. I'm like, I know what's going to happen now once he gets in the Super Bowl. Well, that's because you're a Pats fan. Yeah, don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I mean, I see him having, a, I don't know, four to six. I mean, it could make sense. Definitely. It could make sense depending on like, if he stays with the team, that's going to protect him, like you guys said. But we're just going to have to wait on and see about that. I mean, he's an old man. <laughs> but if he doesn't get touched, then he'll be fine. But going back to the Bucks defense, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this just for a couple minutes and just talk about how great they were. We all know they were great. But what made it so hard for Mahomes to score in this game? Just, like, what did they do? That's right. That's all they had to do. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's all they had to do. He had, he had zero time. I think we talked about this uh, some other time, but I think I was saying, like, their formula has been, like, okay, if we try to pass rush Mahomes, he's just going to toss it up, and then Hill's going to be there. If you double-team Hill, you're going to have Kelsey open. I think the biggest thing was for pressuring Mahomes to have him scramble, but also getting on Kelsey and Hill, like making sure that if they're wide open, they're gone. You have to force Mahomes to throw it like into tight coverage, and that's what was the problem. It doinked off their face mask half the time <laughs> because it wasn't uh, just a ball coming down straight from the air. It was coming right at them, and they weren't prepared for it. So I think that was – I think they kind of cracked the formula a little bit yeah. was if you just pressure Mahomes and you just cover Kelsey and Hill just a little bit to where they're not completely wide open, they're, you're going to give the Chiefs some problems. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And we're going to talk about one last thing really quick. If Tom Brady were not to win the Super Bowl MVP, Wes, who's winning the Super Bowl MVP in your opinion? Oh, man. <laughs> Name one guy other than Tom Brady. Um, Besides the whole defense, I give it to either Devin White or Levante Davis. The way they covered Travis Kelsey, they was on him crazy. They was – he had no space to run. Like, he, like if he's going to catch that ball, he's catching it right there. He's not getting no more yards, or he's not catching the ball at all. I think you got to give it to one of those linebackers for covering so good. Like, we know the secondary, if they did have the – if Patrick Mahomes did have the time, Tyreek Hill was going to beat them a couple times before they stopped him a couple times. But it's not too many linebackers in this league that's going to stay with Travis Kelly. But those two was on him, man. They was on him. Yeah. What about you, Coop? I mean – Shaq, Shaq Barrett was amazing in that game. He had so many pressures on Mahomes, and it just it felt like he was about to tackle him every single time he threw. And if it isn't, if we're not going to do defensive, and it pains me to say this, Gronk should have gotten that MVP. <laughs> he did. I, just the narrative, the whole thing. Oh man. my gosh, he's, coming out of retirement, I'm gonna play with my boy Tom Brady again. <laughs> it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> he's living just some random life in a video game right now. He's like, I'm gonna see everything I can do ever, yeah. and I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> why like, not? It's just almost not? like he's yeah. not even taking it serious. He's out <laughs> no, there just balling, man. Yeah. Like, he just does what he does. <laughs> you can't complain about it. You just really keep, can't. just keep that Lombardi Trophy away from him, though. <laughs> you don't want him to den another one. <laughs> not another one, please, oh, no. Man. Yeah, but that's going to end this segment. I'd like to thank Wes for coming on. It's been really yeah. fun. But after this break, we're going to go into some, some NBA 
talk about some trades that happened a couple weeks ago. So stay tuned. All right. That was a short little break. Get some water in us, you know. And now we have a new guest. We have Noah. How you doing, Noah? Pretty good. How about you guys? Good. I'm good. good. Yeah, so you know the show. It's a double-double here on KLJXLP Flagstaff with my boy Coop. And we're going to go into some NBA talk right now. We just got ton done uh, talking about the Super Bowl and what happened to the Chiefs. Poor Chiefs. But we're going to go into some, some NBA right now. Um, and I just want to do like a little recap on the Nets trade. See, like a little update, you know, talking about what's going right, what's going wrong. So, no, I'm going to start with you and just think, who won this trade so far? Uh, yeah, you know, it's still pretty tough to say. Uh, I think definitely both positions each of the teams are in. Uh, it's definitely still a toss-up right now. Of course, we can look at stats. We got James Harden. I think he's averaging around 23 points, 8 rebounds, and a surprising 11 assists, which is pretty good. Uh, coming out, that means he's getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going. That's awesome. We've been seeing that the last couple of games. But, I mean, four first-round draft picks and four swap pick swaps i mean swap. it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that honestly but yeah. yeah it could be a whole i mean the nets already did it before where they, where they gave all these draft picks to the celtics and that came out and they were literally top 10 picks almost every single year so we don't know if kevin durant's going to stay for a while if kyrie even with his antics is going to stay for a while and even james harden like i'm pretty sure his deal's expiring he didn't even extend his deal in houston so should be interesting to see what happens there. But what about you, Coop? How's this trade turning out? Yeah, kind of like Noah was saying, like it, it's kind of hard to see because you have one team that you you see instant results right now with everything, but then you have this other team. It's like their future could be stacked. Like it, it could be incredible. But you can't deny like how good the Nets are doing right now. Like like you said, like I, personally, I'm a little surprised with how well they're working as a team. I thought it was always just gonna be like. All right, I got the ball. I'm scoring now. Like, I ain't passing anybody. Um, and like you said, like, that whole bunch, it's like, I didn't really think the chemistry would all be there or anything. Like, Kyrie Irving, like, he's, like you said, he's got he's got his antics. He's a, he's a very big personality kind yeah. of guy. <laughs> and so, and you saw, like, what uh, Harden did in Houston and uh, Durant and, like, uh, with the Warriors and everything. So, I, I never really expected this chemistry to go all that smoothly. But I'm personally surprised with how well they're, well they're doing as a team. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. I mean, I want to kind of piggyback off of that and just kind of talk about the Nets being the team to beat kind of in the East. So, Noah, do you think they're the team to beat, or is there still teams that can beat them? Yeah, I think it's it's not as much there's teams that can still beat them. I'd say I think they're, they've definitely got their few weaknesses that they still kind of have to work out with that team. Uh, since picking up James Harden, I know some people call it the James Harden curse, but they've dropped to 27th in the league in defensive rating, while the Rockets, on the other hand, have jumped to second all of a sudden after getting rid of the James Harden curse. But uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, letting, letting teams score 117 points on you every game almost, I mean, they're fantastic. I think they're averaging 120 points a game themselves, so they're doing all right. But yeah, there's just a few a few kinks in the, in the chinks in the armor, you know, that they're going to have to try to figure out and stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think they are the team to be in the East now. I mean, they should get another center. Um, they traded away their Jared Allen, and we'll talk about more about that later. 
But I kind of want to talk about Karis LeVert. And he went to uh, the Pacers, obviously. And what a story that is. I mean, you get traded, and it was a saving, like, it saved his life. Saved his life. Man. Like, legit saved his life. He had kidney cancer, and he had no idea until he would, had to go through, uh, what's it called? Health and protocol, uh, just to make sure he was healthy, uh, physical. And yeah, like that's that's amazing. Like saved his career right there. It it's incredible if you think about these instances, like just how it all like panned out with this huge trade with like uh four teams and everything. And it's pretty it's just insane to think about how how this could have turned out if the trade didn't go through, if he stayed like and, and it's just it's it's almost kind of scary to think about if he hadn't if they hadn't done this whole trade. And oh yeah, definitely. That. He could have collapsed on the court. Like it's it's scary, but I'm I'm really happy that it happened and they got it figured out as soon as they did. Yeah, and it's amazing. I just think it's a it's just like one of those stories that you never really hear about. I mean, it was a huge thing. I mean, his career could have been legit over. Could have passed out on the court. Something bad could have really happened. But what about you know? What do you think of this whole? Karis LeVert thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Karis LeVert. Uh, I've loved his play uh, since the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I just love watching him. He, you can tell he's got a lot of talent in there. So just just seeing that happen, seeing him go through the physical, and, and th- that comes up, I mean, it's kind of kind of crazy, you know? I mean, he's just going to another team, and he finds something that kind of saves his life. You're right. It's just incredible. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does on the Pacers. I think he's really going to be able to, to fill that, that gap um, in the shooting guard, and I think he's going to be able to drop a consistent 20 uh, and kind of evolve from there. I'm really excited to see where he goes. Yeah, and him and Victor Oladipo are very similar players, in my opinion. I think Victor Oladipo just has an edge on it, like a chip on his shoulder, just being an all-star and everything, but Karis LeVert has everything to prove. So it should be really interesting once he gets healthy back in that lineup, see how the Pacers do. But we're going to jump into the Jarrett Allen trade to the Cleveland Cavaliers. How many centers do they have on this team now? Like, legit, they have, like, four centers on their team. Like, do you think he should have gone to Cleveland? Like, what are they going to do with their centers? It is it is kind of weird. I I, uh, I was reading our overplan earlier, and, I, like, I, again, I don't religiously watch NBA, and when I read, like, they have, like, four to five centers now, I was like, all right, that's, that's a little weird. Like, that's kind of fun. Like, all right, well, I guess post is all you guys are going to play right now and everything. <laughs> so... It is kind of weird that they like traded him to there with everything. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe they just think he like they're kind of rearranging some pieces in there. Maybe there won't be four to five centers there. Hopefully, like everything, but maybe they think like, hey, this key piece we can kind of help him out, and he can help other guys that we kind of get in this. Yeah, I think definitely Jarrett Allen is going to be a long term piece for them. I don't. Drummond's definitely not going to resign. JaVale's probably going to leave, get traded to a contender. So I think, yeah, he'll he'll be the next like cornerstone for the Cavaliers. But what about you, Noah? Crazy trade. Yeah, I know. I guess maybe maybe they're hoping Drummond's going to teach him, I guess. You know, Jared Allen, of course, still being a pretty young center. Uh, he showed he's got some goods on the Nets. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits into that team and, and how he works with Andre Drummond to maybe improve his game. But yeah, maybe... The only thing I would be thinking about is maybe they're considering make, 
packaging two of these centers together to maybe get a better one or something in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Centers galore happening now in <laughs> they're Cleveland. Just, they're just re-gifting all their centers. They're <laughs> right. like, hey, let's get, let's get something else in here. Yeah, and there's also like a story that Drummond might get bought out, go to a championship team. Like he could go to the Nets, which I've heard. And I'm like, dude, no, I get it, but no. But yeah, it's they need to do something. They still have Kevin Love, Larry Nance. Like they have so many bigs at this point. And they have so many point guards. They don't have a shooting guard, but they have point guards. But um, the next trade, well, piece of that trade was Rockets now have Oladipo. I love this move. I really did. I mean, they're a team that's still clinging on to hope that they can make a playoff run. And I really think they can. If they get it all together, John Wall, my boy, I'm a Washington Wizards fan. I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> but, yeah, that, yeah. Russell Westbrook. Um, but, yeah, I mean, John Wall has proven that he can come back from tearing his ACL tearing his Achilles, like all these, like adversity. I mean, it's really adversity at this point that he can still play the game of basketball and at a high level. What do you think of this trade, Coop? Yeah, like you were saying, like it, it does fit like really, really well with him. And like Noah was saying, like all of a sudden their defense just boosted up to two. That, that's just so random, so magical. Um, but yeah, I honestly think this team might actually kind of do what uh, the uh, Raptors did last year where they like you had – uh, Kawhi leave, but like they were still like a good team. They were went to the playoffs and everything. And like you said, like I think they just need to bring it and probably like another like kind of key player or something like that. Uh, but I really, I I really like this move. I think it fits uh really well out of all the trades and other than like kind of the Harden stuff. I think this was the trade that kind of fit like a glove. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, having a defensive, he's a three and D player. He can get a shot up. He's a shot creator. He's a, he's an all around great talent we know how good he is but yeah i i mean just amazing how when james harden leaves their defense is so good no it's not surprising nobody should be surprised but yeah what about you know what do you think about victor oladipo no yeah it's, it's super interesting to see how he's going to fit into that team uh again uh him and karis lavert i think it's going to be really interesting to to watch those two and compare them especially going forward through the next couple of years even uh, but yeah i think he's going to be a great fit I've missed him since he left the Thunder. Uh, I, I thought he was a fantastic player for us, so I've really missed him since then. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does on the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, and I kind of want to go on the Rockets still. Um, you kind of touched up on a bit, little bit about them being kind of like the Raptors when Kawhi left. Does this, like, now that Christian Wood emerges as an all-star, definitely an all-star, Boogie still being Boogie, if he can turn it around, but John Wall... They have a good team, like a good, good team to make a playoff run. Do you think they're a dark horse team in the West now? I honestly think they do. Like, it is it is pretty surprising, and I was surprised with the Raptors last year. And it's almost it's almost like they have a chip on their shoulder. It's like, hey, like, the narrative has been like, oh, this has been James Harden's team. Like, this is like he's carried this whole team. And now it's time for them to show, like, hey, uh, we're going to do really good on defense now since he's left. <laughs> but – like we're we're gonna show that like this this team was way more than he was. We benefited him. Now if we work together and we kind of pass the ball around a little bit more, um, I honestly think they are a dark horse team, and they'll be kind of surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if they went uh, to the playoffs. Yeah. What about you, Noah? I mean, yeah, you kind of got to take a look at the overall conference. I think as well. Uh, I mean, in fifth place you got the Trailblazers at thirteen and ten, and all the way down in fourteenth place you've got the Thunder at ten and fourteen. I mean, that's only a three to four game difference between fifth and 14th place, which I mean is huge. 
and, I, and the Rockets are right in there. So I, I really think they, they have a chance to go either way. I think they're either going to start having to pick up some quick wins, maybe get two or three in a row, uh, get some get some good timing on that. Or I, I think they what they have to look out for the most is slumping, maybe losing a game or two here. Uh, I think that would probably hurt their chances the most. But I have high hopes for them. I think they got a good shot at it. Yeah, exactly. And if they stay healthy, that's a huge thing too. Exactly. Need to get Christian Wood back. I mean, he's been pivotal to their offense and defense all year so we need him to get back i'm not a rocket fan but they need to get him back um but yeah they're gonna be a really interesting team to watch there's like you said the west is wide open right now we have obviously the clippers and the lakers up at the top and even the utah jazz that have been playing really well this year might be a topic for another discussion but yeah the west is wide open like like you said five through 14 man so it should be interesting to see how that goes but with that being said we're gonna take a little break here we're gonna when we get back, we'll be talking about the NBA All-Star game and what should happen. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the double double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. We just got done talking about some of the Nets trade, who who's kind of winning right now, what uh what teams are kind of looking like. But now we're gonna talk about little game called the NBA All-Star Game. And last week, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about the Pro Bowl and how that was on Madden and whole, the whole reaction. What are your guys' opinion on this All-Star Game? Like, it's it seems weird, and during COVID, it seems even weirder with how they're kind of structuring it. Let me take the reins on this one real quick. I think this All-Star Game is just idiotic to say the least i mean getting so many people i mean superstars are even like i don't know like i'm gonna be there but i'm not gonna like be there you know like mentally physically like just give the players a week off if you get named to the all-star game you can still add it to your resume but there's no point in playing right now it's too it's not worth 15 to 20 players getting covid and then superstar players on the second half of the season you know, can't participate for another one to two weeks, you know, while they two to three weeks even. So I just, I just think it's ridiculous. They're having it March 7th. They're still like promoting it up the wazoo. Like it's going to be a huge event. Like it was like in the previous years, but it's just not, it's not going to be the same. What about you, Noah? Yeah, I don't know. I I think with all-star games, especially you got to think about the, the audience. Uh, that's, that's usually a big fun part of the experience. Uh, You've got a lot of big personalities on the sidelines making comments and stuff. And, I mean, that's that's fun stuff to watch on television as well. So, I, I mean, when it comes to that, yeah, it's just a risk overall. I mean, you've got guys like LeBron saying zero energy, zero interest, you know. And, of course, every other NBA player is going to follow that. Yanis, other, other players. Um, and, of course, Kawhi being very blunt and basically just telling it like it is and saying the reason it's going to happen. Um which is a bit, little unfortunate, but yeah, a <laughs> bunch of cash there. But yeah, it's just tough. You know, these guys want to see their families. They don't want to play in an all-star game. They want to just, you know, it's it's tough. Yeah, and it, it's just so weird. Like it, it, and like we were talking about last week at the Pro Bowl, are these like are these leagues going to ever kind of get these all-star games right? It just always seems like they're putting them at the worst possible times, like, and with COVID and everything, how strict they are with precautions, why are you going to make another game with, like, all the stars of the NBA and potentially all of them get COVID? Like, it just, it really doesn't make sense to me all that much. And, and like, and like with uh, the Pro Bowl and stuff, 
this is also another game that kind of means nothing. Like, it's just like, oh, hey, like, we're all stars and stuff. But, like, there, you have the potential to get hurt still and everything. Uh, you, and say what you want about them, like, maybe going softer and, like, guys get some plays off. But there is that potential of, like, oh, you come down wrong, you roll your ankle, and or you get COVID, and now you're out for maybe the next game that's really, like, pivotal for your whole team and franchise. So it just really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, and going back off that, it's people – I get people – but the personalities on the sideline – it makes the all-star game. You see Snoop Dogg, all these player like people, personalities. And that's what's the fun part about it. You see all these celebrities come out, joke around like Kevin Hart at every all-star game. They have the celebrity all-star game, and that's super fun to watch. They're not doing that, I don't believe. Like, it's just, it's not going to be the same. I mean, the all-star game last year was great. Great message with Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, rest in peace. Um, but, yeah, the whole message was there. People did it for a reason. There was meaning to it. There was no, there's no meaning to it this year, and I wish there was. It would have been really cool to have a narrative like it usually is, but it's just not going to happen this year. It really isn't. Yeah, I just, I can't find any way, kind of, see like a point to doing it. Like it's like, hey, you're an all star. How about we give you a bye week this week? Like that's that's basically what they want and everything. But kind of going into that, uh, it is said that they're wanting to do the. Uh, at the halftime, they they want to do the slam dunk contest. This is really weird to me. Like I, I'm not really sure, kind of how like view this or view the mindset behind this. Yeah, the All Star Game slam dunk contest at halftime. It just doesn't make kind of sense, you know. Uh, even if they were to do it on a later day, like why can't they do the three point contest too? You know, like just have the three point contest and the slam dunk contest on another day, like they usually do. But they're not. They're gonna try and do it in, during the halftime. Doesn't make sense. I don't know, man. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know. I mean, going back on what the players have been saying about the All Star Game in general. I mean, low energy. One of the big terms that we've been seeing. Uh, just playing that full game itself is probably pretty tiring. I mean, halftime is kind of a little break period. You kind of get to to cool off, relax, and then get back into it. But I mean, a couple of those guys. The only way I'd see it happening is if the people that participated in the dunk contest probably didn't play the second half of the game because I, I, they'd just be far too tired. I mean, that's it's so exerting to do all that jumping for these magnificent dunks. So, yeah, it's, it'd just be really interesting to see how they handle all this. It'd be uh, kind of going with that. It'd be a little interesting to see, like, all right, half time or like first half, you have all like the major name players. But the second half, like uh, after doing the whole slam dunk contest, you almost bring on like a new team for everything. Like maybe you, maybe like there's more chances to be like, like get into the all-star game. And it's like, you see like how well can you like, if like one, if one team had a lead over the other one, can you keep it fresh off of not even playing for the first half? Yeah, we could do that. Just not this year when COVID's going on. (laughs) It just, yeah. Like any like kind of good ideas with this kind of get knocked down by, well, people don't want to get COVID. And it just, it's, it's so weird to me and everything. And looking at this from like also a business standpoint with the NBA, wouldn't you want two of like one of like your like high viewer, like, like events to be two separate things instead of mashing them all into one? It just feels over cluttered. It feels like way too much for people. And 
yeah, it just for a business move, I don't really understand it for a league that ultimately like wants people to watch and make money. Yeah, it almost seems like forced at this point. You know, it doesn't seem like it's genuine, like, oh, we just want to do it for the players. It's like, no, it doesn't feel like that anymore. It really doesn't. It doesn't feel like, oh, we're doing this for the players. The players want to do this. Like, the players came out saying they wanted an all-star game. No, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> like, all the all-stars that are probably going to be on the all-star team, are gonna. they've said the same thing. Like, you've been saying, no, like, zero energy. Like, I don't, I don't really care. So, I don't know. The only way I could see anything good coming out of it, to be honest, is uh, maybe maybe put a message in there about the current situation of the world. Uh, you know, just something that's super important right now. Um, just to maybe, you know, it's it's a big opportunity because I mean, a lot of people tune in uh, to just bring awareness to stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean, other than that, you know, it's like can't really see much else good coming out of it. No, not at all. I wish I wish there was a way that we could make a positive out of this situation, like COVID being in place, but. Right now, we just have to be careful, and that's the end of the deal. It's like, if we be careful, we put everybody on quarantine. Not everybody, you know, like, we have to live our lives. But, like, make sure that people are okay, and we do the right protocols to make sure everything is okay. So, I mean, if they do that, and make sure the All-Star game is super healthy, have a good message, I totally agree with you, you know, like, it makes sense. But right now, it just doesn't make sense with the current situation. And that's the biggest thing. We have to look out for the people that are actually going to be participating in the All-Star game. Because right now, like, we want to see the All-Stars perform. And, you know, we wish we could say that the All-Stars are going to perform to their best of their abilities. But no energy. That's been the statement. So I don't know at this point. Yeah. And it, it kind of goes back to that whole uh, Kevin Durant thing with them pulling him out, like, mid-game because of, like, a COVID thing. Like, with a league so obsessed over, like, COVID protocols as they should every as every league should it's weird that it does feel forced it's like oh we need to have an all-star game or whatever and and say what you want we clowned on the pro bowl a little bit but they did it in a way where players didn't get hurt and they didn't they weren't at risk for COVID they were in their own homes and 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 I'll give credit where credit's due it was a little entertaining to watch all of them kind of like obsessing over the game anything it kind of made me empathize with them a little bit more and it 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 was just like a better way to do it and with this it's like it feels like they're just contradicting what they're doing with all like the with their all their covid protocols and stuff can you imagine though if they did like the all-star game on nba 2k or something like that like they have a my career mode where you can like be one player and, like, control one player. I mean, everybody on the All-Star could, like, control their own player. Like, I mean, it kind of would make sense, but... They couldn't do it because the servers are just so bad <laughs> on the line. That is true. <laughs> Shout out Ronnie 2K. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I mean, at least they're trying. I get, I get like, they want to show fans that they still, like, truly care about the All-Star game and cherish the All-Star game. But, yeah, do it on 2K. I don't know. Not NBA Live, though. Do it on 2K. But, yeah, I mean, with that being said, we have to, like, kind of just the overall message of this All-Star game is just be careful. We just have to make sure that the All-Stars don't get hurt, the All-Star, get like, don't get sick. We just have to make sure it – like, they have to do it right. If they're going to do it, they better do it right because if I see, like, LeBron James not be able to play for two weeks because of COVID, like, 
and they lose like five games in a row, like people are going to go crazy. All for a game that just doesn't mean really anything for them. <laughs> There's no fire behind it. There's no like weight of like the narrative like last year with uh, Kobe and everything. So, I, yeah, it just it makes no sense. I get that. Yeah, they want to show fans that they still care and everything, but you're also going against what you have been doing, which is pulling players out for COVID, and now you're putting them into a game where they could just get COVID again, and this time for zero reason. It just, I don't know, man. It's I want them, I want them to be able to do it, but do it in a safe way where people don't clown over it, but like can still somewhat enjoy it. Yeah, I totally agree, and. It'll, I think they'll do it right. I'm sure they will. But, yeah, that's going to wrap up this segment. Thank you guys for tuning in. Noah, thanks for being on. Awesome. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about some NBA awards, some first kind of month NBA awards, who's the front runners, who, what's going to happen in the NBA awards. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Double Double here on KLJX LP Flagstaff. It's just me and Coop now in the – in the booth, we're gonna be talking about some NBA still, and we're gonna be talking about the NBA awards for a little bit, and who are the front runners right now in the season that's a month, a little bit over a month uh, done now. So the first award is the MVP. Cooper, who you got? I mean, it's probably a bunch of people. Like everyone's probably got like a top three contenders, but on everyone's top three, it's got like they always have to put LeBron, and it is amazing at his age, how this man is still improving. Like, he he's putting up numbers. Like, he put up a triple-double the other day that uh, mirrored, like, one of his times in the playoffs. Like, it's it's incredible for what he's doing. And say what you want about maybe last year, like, oh, maybe he was more deserving than it than Giannis. But he's just – he doesn't – like, at this point, like, he, does, he doesn't need the MVP to fuel him even more. It just every single year it just seems like he's getting better and better and better. And he's done it on the Eastern Conference now, and he's doing it on the Western as well. Yeah, I totally agree with you. LeBron's always going to be up there. I mean, LeBron is LeBron. He's 36, almost 37, maybe he is 37. Yeah. But, yeah, he he just gets better and better. Age is like a fine wine, man, and, and it's amazing. And to kind of go along like with how we were talking with uh, Tom Brady earlier, it's almost he – players feel obligated to play better when they play with LeBron. They're like, you know what? He's one of the best players, if not the best player in our era right now. And like, like I have the best, the best possibility of me getting a ring is going with this man. And that's honestly like what I think he demands. And he doesn't demand it. It's just what he's done in his career and the numbers he puts up and the leadership he has people just feel obligated to play at their best level. Yeah, I mean, you're going into, I think this is season 16 or 17, and he's still averaging 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. Like, these are, like, he even gets better in the playoffs, which is really concerning for teams, and I understand. It's like a switch he just flips on and everything. Yeah, so, like... For LeBron being as old as he is, it doesn't seem like he's even old. I mean, we've been watching him since he was a little guy. He's never been little, but yeah. you know what I mean, like a yeah. rookie. And like right now, he makes him his old self look little. Yeah, and it's incredible that he has the longevity, the prime, like the prime longevity is huge with this man. He's had a, a prime for like it seems forever since I started watching basketball. So yeah, LeBron James is definitely up there. Do you got anybody else? 
Um, with how he's playing right now, and if he continues to play like it, honestly, Joel Embiid, like he's been really good, and he's I I feel like it is really surprising how well he has he is doing. He did well uh, last year in the season too, but it just felt like he's almost he's like it, it seems like everyone's got some type of chip on their shoulder, just something to fuel them for the next season. And it it feels like that right now. It's it feels like he's mad and he's trying to prove something. And if he keeps it up, like I I would not be mad or surprised that he got MVP over LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a two-horse race, definitely. I think it's between those two. I mean, definitely Giannis. Uh, Giannis is up there always. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Luka Doncic is always up there now. And he's amazing, too. But, yeah, I think it really comes down to these two guys. Um, Joel Embiid is averaging 29 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, he's stepping it up when they need to. Um, he's a character. He brings people like to watch their games. He's always, he's just a funny guy to watch too. I mean, he's so tall, funny, goofy character, and he maybe an MVP will fuel him to get farther in the playoffs. I mean, they have a good team. They're under Doc Rivers this year. Brought in some key pieces like Seth Curry. Their three point shooting's a lot better now. But yeah, I could see I could see it going either way. LeBron and Joel Embiid. Um, so. We're going to go to the next award, and we're going to talk about the Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Who you got, Coop? All right. So last year, um, Ja Morant won Rookie of the Year, and it was almost unanimous except for one vote to Zion. And Zion was like the, MB, like the NBA's like kind of favorite. They wanted him to like succeed. They like f- like almost forced the Pelicans to get into the playoffs and everything. And I feel like a lot of people are going to say LaMelo Ball, which is he's super deserving. But I feel like one guy that kind of is just like exceeding expectations is uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, okay. He's been he's just been doing really, really well. And I feel like he's he's not really in the conversation uh, yet. He's playing like maybe that. And again, chip on his shoulder, fueling it. And he knows he probably isn't up there with them but he doesn't care he wants to prove like hey at the end of this it doesn't matter what people think now it's what i do later that kind of defines who i am and he's been doing that like right now like it's it's pretty incredible yeah tyrese halliburton's a good shout definitely and what's most surprising about this rookie class is everybody thought it was going to be a weak rookie class it hasn't been that at all which is really cool because i always look for rookies like i love watching rookies um and Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, he's coming off the bench, obviously, because De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald are on that same team. But he's coming out to having quality minutes. He can prove that he can play in the NBA, even with a funky shot. But, yeah, he's doing very well. He's he's doing well. He's averaging a 10-5-5 or something like that, 10-3-5. And, and he, he's a great player. He got overlooked even in the draft, being drafted as late as he did. But he was a top 4-5 to five talent going into the draft. And then gets drafted at, yeah, I think it was pick 12 to the Kings. So it definitely a good pickup on the Kings side. I think he's going to be have a really good career. Buddy Hill seems to be wanting to leave, so he could just slide into that number two slot. And, yeah, he's having a good year. But my rookie of the year, I think you're going to guess this already, but, yeah, it's going to be LaMelo Ball. Um, LaMelo Ball is just transcendent talent, and we can't talk about it enough. I mean, 
I love talking about the Ball family and all, but he's just proving that he is a superstar in the making. I mean, there's nothing left to be said. Once he starts starting games, he drops 34 points, having near triple doubles. He ra- He's averaging like 22 points in his last four games. It It's also pretty outstanding because like, there was a lot of expectations for him going into this league uh, or going into this year and everything. And he's... He's just excelling past everything. Like I, I'm like, and like I, like we kind of talked about last week. Like it is really fun watching him play and everything. And one of my buddies, he really likes the Ball Brothers and specifically Lamelo. And he, I, I saw a little bit of him in college. I, it's honestly pretty outstanding how he's doing in the uh, his uh, first year. And I wouldn't be like, there's only room for improvement. Like it's, he's just getting better and better and better. And it's really showing right now. Yeah. And yeah, he's just, he's just out there having fun too. His teammates love him. He always has a smile on his face. Like this guy's just a lovable guy, a good locker room guy. And on top of that, he's a good basketball player and we can't get that wrong. So my pick is Lamelo. Yours is Tyrese Halbert. And we'll see how this shakes up by the end of the season. (laughs) But going on to the next award, we have the Defensive Player of the Year, which last year went to Giannis, who was also the MVP. Coop, who you got in this award? All right, and I think it's just from kind of seeing him in the playoffs a little bit. But Rudy Gobert, he's he's doing really, really well right now. He really kind of showed himself in the playoffs last year. And even though they didn't get too far in it, like he was, he was one of the key players in – how far they did get, how many wins they got and everything. And he is just, he's a monster like on the court. And he almost doesn't, it's almost, I, I watch him in the first couple times I watch him, I was so surprised. He doesn't look like that defensive monster, like, like Giannis. Like when you see Giannis, you're like, okay, like this man, he's going to, he's a beast uh, in every aspect, but just watching him play, like he is, he's like a silent threat with everything. And I feel like even, with players like watching him and stuff, even when they go up to play like against him, they don't expect how good he really is and everything. Yeah, he's definitely always up there in defensive player of the year. He's proven that he's one of the best centers in the league. Um, he's always blocking shots, getting rebounds, doing the dirty work that nobody else wants to do. And he's just proving his worth. I mean, they gave him a big contract. He's living up to it. But my defensive player of the year is, I'm trying to think of two. And I'm thinking of Anthony Davis, obviously, on the Los Angeles Lakers, but also Miles Turner on the Pacers. Oh, all right. Uh, Miles Turner is a monster on the blocking. Like, he averages, like, three to four blocks a game right now, and that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a very athletic center. Uh, he moves – he's very mobile. He can shoot the three. He can – yeah, he's just an overall great defensive player, and he's getting better. He's still young. Um. But, yeah, he's getting better. And also Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was kind of um, – I think he was second in voting last year to Giannis. But you never can count out Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is a superstar in this league. Might go down as the best power forward of all time. Um, well, that's a hot ticker, I think. Yeah, that's, I think <laughs> it's possible. I mean, yeah, we'll honestly, see how yeah. long he stays with LeBron. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's definitely proven that he's a superstar in this league. And uh, he's just consistently – just great on defense he gets blocked shots he does the dirty work uh when lebron doesn't really want to because lebron kind of like shuts off on defense sometimes he's been better over the last two years but yeah i mean anthony davis is a good shout too 
Um, the next award is the most improved player. Who do you got as most improved so far? All right. And even though I don't watch a lot of basketball and stuff, I'm going to be a little biased here. Jalen Brown, man, he is. Boston. <laughs> Boston. He is, like, watching him play, like, now. And I, I honestly thought he was, like, still really good last year or anything. Like, he really developed as a player. And seeing that jump he's made, like, it's almost like two different players. Like, it's it's like it, – it's like seeing like a freshman player in high school go to like and seeing his like senior year, like how much he's developed. He's only done it in one year. And yeah, I may be biased and everything, but he's he's one of the best threats on the Celtics and everything. And him paired up with Jason Tatum, like they're they're a really, really powerful du- uh, duo and they're super young. Like they still and he's already up for most improved player for us. But and it's scary to think that he's he's going to maybe win that and then he's improving year after year after year. It's, it's kind of scary. And he's, he's kind of someone we look out for. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Jalen Brown. um, He is now the number two option on that team. Nobody can tell me otherwise. Like Mm -hmm. Kemba Walker is definitely not the number two option on that team anymore. It has to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's really stepped up his game this year. Definitely. And I totally agree with you. Um, but my pick is going to be Christian Wood from the Rockets. Hopefully he gets back in the lineup soon. But, yeah, this guy, it's kind of hard to tell his – it's not hard to tell his story. I'm pretty sure he was undrafted. Um, he came into the league not getting a lot of minutes. He got picked up. And then by the time Andre Drummond got traded last year from the Pistons to the Cavaliers, they started to start Christian Wood, and he started to take off. And he didn't get nearly as much as much recognition as he is now, but that's why the Rockets gave him so much money. Like he, did, they knew what was gonna happen, and he's coming out and playing at an All Star level, and nobody thought it would happen. He has everything. He can play defense. He can shoot the three. He's very mobile for how tall he is. He has a mid range. Like he has everything, and he just you didn't see him play enough. To realize how actually good this player was. So I'm really excited for him to get back on the court. But yeah, he's he's averaging like 24, 25 points a game. 23, 24. And grabbing like 11 rebounds. Like he's he's just a monster. So I have him as my defensive player of the year. Or most improved. Most, most improved. improved. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. And then uh, kind of transitioning out of that. Uh, like we did last week. Um, for this last uh, 15 minutes, we're going to do like a little real life example, kind of comparing something that's happening in sports, uh, kind of seeing how it relates to things not uh, in sports and everything. Sweet. I'm going to sit back and relax and let you talk, Coop. Let's do it. So like you said last week, you're you're a big Ball Brothers fan and everything. And uh, you told the tale of the ugly duckling. And even though it was sad, it had a nice little ending to it. And now... As the sad Patriots fan, I am now going to talk about Tom Brady and the Patriots. Here we go. All right. Everyone in their lives, they kind of go through a relationship, whether you have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend, you have whatever partner you have, and you have really memorable moments with them. Maybe you go to the nice Grand Canyon or you guys fly out to California, go on a little vacation. You have these little moments that you kind of share together for however long you may be. And with that, 
comes most people realize it unless like unless the first person you meet you marry and everything you go through a breakup you go through that separation sometimes it can be and dirty sometimes it can end nice but either way it's always really really sad and i'm comparing tom brady uh kind of leaving the patriots to that breakup as everyone knows the patriots and tom brady uh for 20 seasons he played as their starting quarterback and everything and he played at an all-star level every single season. I mean, they were called a dynasty for a while. They won 11 consecutive division titles and 11 AFC championship titles. They went to the Super Bowl nine times and won six. Brady, during while well, he was on the Pats, he won three MVPs and at one point held the record for most touchdowns in a season. But like all great things that had to come to an end, and Brady went to free agency last year and signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Huh. And everyone kind of knows how that went. Yeah, this past I, think, year. I, think, I think we know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's done a little well. and But like a relationship, you have ups and downs, all right? And with relationships come compromise. A lot of the seasons, uh, Brady took pay cuts and everything for the Pats so they could get more all-star talent on there. Sometimes you have to uh, compromise with your significant other. And even though the breakup was pretty clean everyone was very thankful but even and i have to say this at some point i knew that tom brady only had a couple years left in him all right and i thought it was time for the paths to move on to someone younger a little bit more athletic and kind of move into the next maybe create another dynasty for so you him. got cam newton never mind just go on <laughs> so brady signs with the bucks and I was a little shocked at first and everything. I was like, you know what? I was like, all right. And then I saw their offense. I was like, oh, well, they're pretty good. Pretty good and everything. But then the Pats made that, to me, really, really off signing of Cam Newton. And nothing against Cam. He's won MVP. And at one point, he was one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the league. And I was like, you know what? Hey, Tom Brady's got his team. We got our quarterback now. And even though he... Might be throwing the lawn chairs out there. He's got he's gonna do some good stuff for our team. And with that, first season or the first game came, and the Bucks had to go up against the Saints, which is a tough tough matchup. And we had to go up against the Dolphins, not so much of a tough matchup. And we won, and it was uh, it was fun. And I saw I thought it was like a good career uh, for Cam on the uh, the Patriots. And then, and then we, and then he got COVID, and then all of a sudden, the Patriots started losing games, and then the Buccaneers started winning games, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you have that deep feeling that a lot of people see when you and your partner separate, and you see them with someone else, and you're like, oh wow, they're actually they're doing really well together. They're doing, they're doing like, they, they, well, they just got an apartment together. Hey, hey, they just got a dog. That's pretty cool. They got a dog named them Gronk. What is this? Like this is <laughs> this is insane. That's a good one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it was coming more and more apparent that the Patriots were not the same Patriots they, they uh, that they had been for twenty seasons. Yeah. And with that, everyone everyone started to look towards Tom, saying, "Hey, Tom was the Patriot way. Tom was the system." And like all great relationships. I don't think there is ever someone that controls it or, or uh, I mean, and if there is, it's usually a toxic relationship. 
And I don't think that relationship with the Pats was toxic at all. Like, you don't get six Super Bowl rings out of a toxic relationship. But with that, the I, I saw the Bucks go into the playoffs. And for the first time since 2000, the Patriots had a losing record of 7-9. and nine, And a tear fell down my face. Almost got there. Almost. So close. Almost. So close. We won games we shouldn't have. And we lost games we should have won. It was, it, it was a tough season. But... I think the last kind of thing was everyone was happy for Tom, but we wanted to be happy first. We <laughs> want, and like all relationships, you want the other person to be happy, but maybe you didn't want them to be this happy, or you yeah. wanted to be happy first. Definitely. And the last final thing was maybe you see uh, your partner, and they, with their new partner and everything, they go to the Grand Canyon, like you guys used to, or you guys go to California. And what does Brady do with the Bucks? He does what we love doing with him for 20 seasons, and that was going to the Super Bowl. And it was it was sad. And as much as I said I was rooting for the Chiefs and everything because, hey, like I, I'm selfish still. I, I don't like that he succeeded. I am happy, but I am still sad. But with this, like your segment last week, there is a nice ending to this. The Patriots are second in the cap salary, and they got some big moves. Hopefully not re-signing Cam. I think Cam was a nice little rebound quarterback. <laughs> a rebound quarterback. And hey, hey, nothing against rebounds, all right? <laughs> but it's time It's time for the Patriots. Hey, the Patriots needed this season, and they they put too much emphasis on Tom for the 20 seasons. They're like, you know what? We got to stop relying on him. We are a franchise. Tom Brady is not our franchise like anymore. And with that, we need to know who we are. I honestly think Bill Belichick, as the coach and GM, he's going to make some aggressive moves this offseason. And with all relationships, once once someone finds out who they really are after a long relationship like that, it's it's finally nice to see the bright side. It's to see that, hey, my life doesn't depend on them. My team doesn't depend on Tom Brady. And even though I'm happy for him and he's winning a Super Bowl, he's I wouldn't be surprised if we won one or two more. I'm hopeful for the Patriots, and I'm hopeful for what they're going to do. And I think, and here's my bold prediction, in the next three years, they're going to the Super Bowl. And that's coming from a biased Patriots fan. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, great story. I mean, it's definitely true. I I mean, I can relate to that. I mean, I've been through relationships that you're like, damn, there was somebody else. And I've done it with the Wizards, too. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it with the Wizards. I've done it with the Nationals. Like, for baseball, Bryce Harper leaves. I'm like, ah, oh, Bryce Harper left to go to the Phillies. And then Anthony Rendon goes to the Angels. Like, I, it's happened to me a lot recently. Yeah. It's, it still stings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, And John Wall leaving to the Rockets. I mean, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. But there's always a better outcome looking out, you know? And you're working on your future now. And then hopefully it becomes a Super Bowl. I mean, Hopefully that the Nationals can win another World Series. We won one without Bryce Harper. Why can't we win without Bryce Harper and Rendon? Why not? And and you always have to be hopeful after these kind of things. And I honestly think uh, the Patriots should look to Tom and say, hey, he signed on this new team. And he was and during COVID and everything, during all of this stuff and the, him getting Tampa to sign Gronk and Antonio Brown 
and then you had Leonard Fournette, and everyone wants to play with Tom. Yeah. The Patriots should now focus on themselves as a person should after a breakup. And they go, you know what? I we don't need that key anymore. We had it, we had a good run. I, I'll never forget those memories. All right. I I my my parents have gotten Brady jerseys. We got a dog that has a Brady jersey. Is his name Brady? No, his name's Gronk. So is it actually? <laughs> yeah, it is. I've I've already talked to him about changing his name. Um <laughs> And I like, and you have to be hopeful, and that's what Brady was. Brady was hopeful, and he was determined, and that's what the Patriots need to be. Now, does it is it a little harder because it's a whole team and everything? Yeah, but I believe in them. They drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round, and say what you want about Bill Belichick drafting, he saw they saw something in Tom, and it showed. No one would have expected that this sixth round pick was going to win six Super Bowls with them, and then seven on two teams. Like, yeah. it's it's incredible. And I'm I'm hopeful for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, yeah, I've been there. I've been through that as a sports fan. Been through that in real life. I mean, as, a, like, being in a relationship. And, yeah, it's tough. It is tough. Um, it was, It's crazy that you've been, like, it's, uh, it's hard to talk about these things, you know, yeah, <laughs> like as a sports fan. I, I've, I've been pampered for 20, 20 seasons yeah. and I've only been alive 20. So like <laughs> I've been pampered since birth with a winning team. Yeah. And to finally see him go with a losing record, it hurt. But I was like, you know what? Yeah. There's a bright future for us. See, on my situation, I came in as a Nationals and uh, Wizards fan when they were always losing, <laughs> and then I saw... and I have respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've seen the Nationals go through ups and downs drafting, um, and yeah, they're at their place where they are now. They're World Series champs. They have a World Series ring under their belt, and I I was happy. I mean, I have videos on my phone of me going crazy because we finally won something, um, and we were a wild card team too. And, and you always make sure to wear your nationals oh, championship yeah. hat oh yeah i gotta brag you know it's, <laughs> it's probably gonna be our only one <laughs> but yeah as a sports fan we we have these relationships to these teams i mean players even like teams and players we don't want to see them go um there's been plenty of heartbreak because of that and as a sports fan you just have to go through with the punches roll with the punches they say so I'm glad that you brought that up because it's definitely happened to me a lot recently. <laughs> I don't want any of my best, like my favorite players to leave my team again. So please like resign or not get <laughs> traded. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good talking point for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, but with that being said, uh, that wraps up the double uh, double on KLJX LP Flagstaff. Uh, make sure to tune in next week. Yeah. Um, same exact time or, and on Tuesdays and everything. Yeah, Tuesdays too. Um, so yeah, and if you want to hear more about a sad Patriots player, just listen in on us. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you guys later.